Yesterday Illusions. This episode is part two of our Every Ride at Disneyland ranked coverage. We left off with Dumbo at number 21. This episode will cover the next 10 on our list. If you haven't seen the previous episode, you probably, I would say, would want to check it out. But uh, the article is up on my website. So if there's one you're looking for in particular, and you know it's going to be in this episode, then uh, have at it. You know, watch, uh, listen to them in whatever order you want. Anyway, let's get back to uh, let's get back to the list, and uh, hope you enjoy. Number twenty is the Buzz Lightyear Astro Blaster, and this is going to be well. I don't think there's a lot of people who probably would put this one that much higher, but this is something that is is going to be a question for people, especially with Smuggler's Run. But I, for one, am not a big fan of interactive rides. I want, literally, just not 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 to be pedantic, but I like one as one aspect that I like of a ride is you ride it. You don't have to do anything. And that's why I like it because it's a ride and then some. It is also a game and it's competition. So I Midway Mania is not on this list, but uh, this is a bit uh, foreshadowing. It's not not going to be very high on my ranking because as with Astro Blasters, I mean, it it it's like it's like half dark ride, half laser tag. Although really, it's full re- laser ride, uh, full full dark ride, full laser tag, but. I've I've been on times where the gun is not really working, and actually, like, not working. Not just me saying, "Oh, it's not working." I'm just bad at it. It no. was it was spazzing. We switched, and it wasn't working as well. Yeah, it. It's actually a good dark ride. When I when so when we rode this, so I could take the picture for the article. I I di- I just left the gun in the holster and took pictures the whole time. I enjoyed that more than I enjoyed shooting the gun. Um. It's. I would say that Buzz Lightyear Astro Blaster is the worst Fast Pass ride in Disneyland. Yeah, it's confusing why it even has a Fast Pass line. It's line like, yeah, it can get up to forty-five minutes, but why does it deserve to be on the tier of Fast Pass rides? That's not something you should be using your Fast Pass on. And yet, if you're at the park late at night, um, when it's walk on, yeah, you can get kind of a walk on Fast Pass with that. Uh, it's I like Emperor Zerg. Toy Story 2, you know, in the wake of how emotional Toy Story 3 and I guess now moving forward, Toy Story 4 was uh, very emotional. In the wake of that, it makes sense that, uh, all right, in the wake of that, you know, Toy Story 2, which which doesn't have the same level of emotional resonance, even though, I mean, it does. You got Woody thinking about whether he should leave or not. Oh, don't forget Jesse's song. Jess- oh, God, that's a heartbreaker. Yeah. But she's happy now. Yeah, I... Boy, that one's a bummer. There's, like, definitely, like, gut-punch emotion in that one, but it's not so much existential crisis emotion, so Toy Story 2 remains a very fun movie. And I didn't really like the first Toy Story because it was scary, so Toy Story 2 was great. Yeah, I I, I like it a lot. Uh, Buzz Lightyear of Star Command was a fun oh, show. Great show. I loved. They, I wish they had more action figures of the female alien and the friends. Yeah, you got Patrick War- Warburton voicing Buzz in that show, and uh, he's known to 
Disneyland fans as the uh, intro guy for Soren. A great ride. Uh, not a big fan of that, uh, but we'll cover that one in the California Adventure episode. Uh, you know, Buzz Lightyear, Ash, I, that's one that I like to go on because it reminds me of, of my youth. And I liked Buzz Lightyear's Star Command. That was airing kind of around the time I was getting a... I was aging out of Disney Channel, but uh, growing up to something like Nickelodeon. No. <laughs> um, uh, Buzz Lightyear Star Command, though, it, it wasn't your typical like five-year-old show. It really was closer to Nickelodeon style, um, almost more dramatic of a cartoon. Yeah, and it was more action-packed. Yeah. Uh, the Disneyland version is pro- is is definitely better than the uh, Disney World, which was a... Which is is one of the ones that Disney World beat it by. It was uh, the Magic Kingdom version opened up six years before Disneyland, which gave it time to. Uh, it's a bit more thorough. You can remove the blaster from its mount, unlike the Magic Kingdom version. Uh, there's a lot more audio. It's not a ride that we do every time, but uh, it's not the worst choice if if your fast pass is worthless at uh, eight forty five and you're just looking for something to do. It's uh, you know it's a it's, good few minutes. It, it, it it's 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 fun. Uh, I I I enjoy it a bit. And uh, there's value in going back if you are like me and do want to like win um, to figure out where are the good triangles and parallelograms. Um, I found one the last time we were on it that I hadn't really known about before. It's a difficult game, though. Yeah, some people really take the high score seriously. I wish them well. Uh, I bet so many of those people are just on it when it breaks down. I mean, yeah. You can't, you can't score above a million. You really can't, unless it breaks down. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there is an audience that, uh, people love Midway Mania, uh, I... I imagine a lot of those people also like Astro Blasters, uh, Smuggler's Run. Uh, I, I, I like, call me lazy. I mean, I love video games. If you listen to this show, you know, I mean, it, may, it may be surprising if you're a uh, regular listener of Estrada Illusions to hear that uh, the one who makes a lot of video game episodes doesn't like video games in a ride, but um, there's a time and a place for everything, and I, I, I love both rides. Both. I choose both. Um, to quote Towley, there's no South. You think there should be a South Park ride at uh, Disney Disneyland? No, <laughs> not just because it's not Disney, but just generally no. <laughs> uh yeah. I, I if I had to wait 45 minutes for if I had to pick between if you if somebody said uh you must wait in a bad 45 minute line and your three options are Astro Orbiters, Dumbo, or Astro Blasters, I would pick uh, Dumbo, which Although I ranked it above uh, Dumbo, maybe, maybe this podcast wasn't a great idea because I'm rethinking my own ranking. <laughs> oh well, uh, it shows subjectivity. This is not me saying I'm definitively right. This is me saying if you like video games on your ride, uh, you know, like if I, had, you know, if you had a gun on Splash Mountain, you could zap Brer Fox and then get electrocuted in the water. Um. There's a reason that's not a great idea. Astro Blasters, I think... Um, so, speaking of Mark Twain from earlier, Mark Twain once referred to the game of golf as a good walk spoiled. 
I view Astro Blasters as a good dark ride. Spoiled. It's it's got great scenery, and you got just people like I don't know. I, I don't. Uh, laser tag is not my favorite thing in the world either. It's uh, it, it, Astro Blasters is fine, but uh, I, it's kind of one of those things of if if you're gonna maximize your day, is that really a part of it? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I think that's a good assessment. And next up at number 19, or should I say, All Aboard! Let's go! Casey Jr.'s coming down the track, coming down the track with a smoky stack. Hear him puffing, coming round the hill. Casey's here to thrill every Jack and Jill. Reinforcing gender... Reinforcing the gender binary. Every time his funny little whistle sounds, every... Oh, boy, I screwed that one up. Time for lemonades and cracker jacks. Casey Jr.'s back. Casey Jr.'s back. And then, uh, played a couple more times. And that's Casey Jr.'s Circus Train. As you can tell, even though it's at number 19, Casey Jr. is a definitely a favorite of mine. What do you think, Tara? Casey Jr. is wonderful. Like, not only are you sitting in these beautiful little cages or, like, the back conductor parts. So, like, you're on a train, first of all. But then you're also, like, animals on the train, which is pretty cool. And you're driving around or riding around, whatever trains do. And you're looking at the wonderful little picturesque villages of Storybook or Storybrook, whichever one is not the Once Upon a Time town. Storybook Land. Storybook Land. And you're, you're hearing some of the sounds and the stories, and you get to see all of the boats passing by. You get to wave at everyone. It's a great little enjoying ride. There's an online ranking of Disneyland rides that... I mean, one of the reasons that I wanted to make this list is nobody had really done a Disneyland exclusive that really gave each ride a thorough one. I mean, it's a long list. It took a while to write this, but... There's this one Disneyland ranking list that has Casey Jr. And literally all they write about it is uh, suck, which I think is blasphemy. Tara was very upset when I told her that this article existed, weren't you? Yeah, like there is so much wonderful good things about the Casey Jr. circus train. How could you only say one thing and for it to be negative? So Casey Jr. has always been... I guess one of the rides that I like, I'm a huge train fan. I love trains. I love everything about trains. And even, even, you know, this isn't, this isn't going to be an A tier thrill ride, but Casey Jr. Circus Train does really, really get you. I mean, there's, there's some, uh, really high anxiety thrills when he's saying, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. It's one of those, it's a ride that, that kind of allows you to take a, um, Take a breather and uh, examine where you are in your day. It's one of my favorites to do either kind of earlier in the morning or late at night. And if we're super lucky, you get to do it twice. But uh, especially in the off-season with Casey Jr., when they're only doing uh, one train at a time, it can be a little frustrating because it takes a while to load. And when there's just the two of us, we tend not to try to take the cage. I think the last time we were in the cages was with, um, 
my parents were uh, with us, and you don't really want to take the uh, fun uh, one of the two cages away from uh, a kid who's sitting in line thinking, oh my god, I really want the cage, I want the cage. And yet you're, uh, that kind of says it all about the ride, because Disneyland's really good at having, uh, there aren't that many rides that are just, there are rides that are uh, catered to children, but plenty that are uh, fun for people of all ages, namely the dark rides in Fantasyland, but um, I guess, you know, Dumbo or the Jellyfish in California Adventure are probably way more kid-friendly than a lot of them. Kizzy Jr. probably uh, fits more towards that than, you know, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride or Peter Pan's Flight, but... I, I mean, and, and I can also just kind of tell about that. When Tara and I are in line, there's not a ton of people who don't have kids who like to ride that. And yet it's a lot of fun to ride. And I always Yeah, like, you don't see enough young people on there. Like, why, why aren't high school kids and college kids riding this every time? Well, I think as a, as a character, Dumbo has a lot of uh, nostalgia and just riding around. I mean, D- Dumbo the aside from maybe the teacups, Dumbo the elephant is kind of the quintessential uh, kids ride at Disneyland, and yet you don't see the same amount of affection. Even the live action Dumbo movie, sadly, the Danny DeVito character only sings Casey Jr. He sings like two bars of the song, not as if there are that many. It's not. I. It does give you a very good view of Storybook Land, especially the Storybook uh, Land canal boats can really, the line for that can get ridiculous. Casey Jr., I guess the line can kind of get ridiculous, but it's one of the more consistent, like, uh, you can expect to wait about 10 or 15 minutes uh, if there's only one train. If there are two trains, it actually goes by pretty fast, but um, it does take a little while to load, and they, you know, the the... Ride operators do their best to try and make sure who's um, trying to make sure that they're getting the correct amount of people on at one time. They count the people ahead of time, which you don't really see for a lot of. Well, that's kind of the absence of uh, you know having a numbered row to stand on. But I I always I realized that I really I realized the extent of my love for Casey Jr. This past May, uh, they closed Storybook Land for about. I think it was like three weeks. Maybe it was a little longer. But it was closed for a couple weeks. Uh, and I wasn't really... We don't do the canal boats all that often. But I was like, I really miss Casey Jr. And there was a time when Space Mountain was closed for two weeks. I didn't really... I or didn't, even longer than two weeks, I think. Maybe, yeah. And I, I, it wasn't like it wasn't like the end of the world for me. Like, Splash Mountain, I get annoyed when, it, when they renovate that, usually in February. But... I, I, I was sitting there going, you know, honestly, I miss this. Like, I go to Disneyland, you have access to all these, uh, some of the greatest rides in the country, and all I want to do is ride the train around in a circle. Because it's a great train. It is a great train. My one, one critique about Casey Jr. is the song, and this has to do with the fact that uh, Storybook Land, they, they don't like the, the music to intersect that much between the two rides, but the case, isn't that, you, you had said that, right, Tara? Yeah, so there's a portion of the Casey Jr. ride where it just abruptly cuts off the music and then abruptly restarts it, 
And that coincides, I think, when you're closest to the water level. Um, so, like, if it were to be playing music and there's a boat passing right by you, you can hear them talking and the boat would definitely be able to hear your music. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's purposeful that they're cutting it off there. And then the music starts up again, like, right as you're about to go back into the cave and it's finishing off the ride. Yeah, so, I mean, the music, they could probably, they could give you a bit more music, which would be great, because the right, the way the music kind of stops after, I think they play through the song essentially, like, kind of twice, and before the hill, it's kind of like the first part of the ride, you almost feel like the ride's over well before it actually is over, and, uh... It's a very fun... Uh, it gives you a very good view of Fantasyland. It's probably the best view of Fantasyland outside of Dumbo, which in the middle of the day has a brutal line. And, but Casey Jr., you get this great view. You get to take a relaxing train ride around. And people can say, oh, this isn't... You know, this doesn't really matter. I like waving to the people in the canal boats. It's nice when you're on the happiest place on Earth. We live in this country where people interact with each other so seldomly. We're, we're so sort of uh, locked into our own zones, looking at our phones, human, you know, would you, the, the notion of going over to your neighbor's house to borrow a cup of sugar, I mean, you get your door slammed in your face and then you, they call the police on you nowadays. And yet, you ride Casey Jr. around, you are kind of transported back to a time when human beings cared about each other, and they'll wave, even though you have no idea who the person is. You probably wouldn't wave to them outside of the ride, but let's just drop all, all of the, the, the anxiety of the modern era, ride the train, and just have a great time. It's, it's really... Uh, I didn't want to over-exaggerate its place on the list. 19 is not uh, really that high, but I, I I don't really think Disneyland is complete unless we've done Casey Jr. It really makes the day. It, it's, uh, and, you know, sure, it's a train. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful train, and it's so, of all the, and, and there aren't that many, there aren't that many, movies that get two rides you have alice you have uh well toy story gets a couple rides you have uh star wars now has a couple rides and dumbo has a couple rides uh you know even as somebody like mickey doesn't really have all that many rides to call his own but obviously he's a big presence um it's 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 a wonderful ride i love casey jr this was one of uh one of my favorite to cover because it's just like so. It, it this ride does not suck. Anyone who says that Casey Jr. sucks is really not experiencing Disneyland the way they should be, and that means they probably don't have any soul. <laughs> would you Would you agree with that assessment? I mean, it's probable. Yeah, I mean they uh, they built a Disney the Disney World version a lot later because they probably were like, shit, we're missing Casey Jr. This is no most you know Walt. Loved railroads, so you've also got that kind of aspect, just the fact that this is something that Walt loved. If they tore Casey Jr. down, I would just, I would pick it so hard, I'd be so angry. Um, it's just a beautiful, it's a very beautiful ride. It's very fun. So it's a great ride. I really like it. Always have. It is. And it's one of the few I have a nickname for. I call it Casey J a lot, and Tara, Tara rolls her eyes and says, do you really need to give rides nicknames? Yes. 
Yes, KCJ. KC Jr.'s coming down the track with a smoky stack. KC Jr.'s back. All right, I won't do that anymore. Moving on, sadly, because we could just sit and talk about Casey Jr. all the time, but we need to get on to other rides, and coming in at number 18 is Pinocchio's Daring Journey, which is uh, a much newer dark ride than the other three in... um, You've got the four dark rides that are centered kind of around the carousel. You've got that. You've got Snow White's Scary Adventures... Peter Pan Flight and Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Pinocchio's Daring Journey was built in the 80s, which is kind of surprising, I guess, if you just you consider how old Pinocchio is as a, as a movie. And uh, there used to be a stage there, but uh, they decided they needed a dark ride. It's a very complex dark ride. It goes through basically the whole story. Yeah, it goes through a lot. It's a complex dark ride that goes through uh, really a sizable amount of the story, which is um, impressive when you consider that Mr. Toad's Wild Ride has, has very little to do with Winds in, the, Winds in the Willows, and Snow White's Scary Adventure is um, an incredibly scary ride. Not to, not to borrow a word from its title, but it is, uh, it is a scary adventure. And with Pinocchio, the entire... It, it does bring out the, the dark and dark ride. It, it is very, like, dark thematically. Yeah, and, and, and the lighting is all dark. Like, there's bits of Mr. Toad with a lot of color, and a lot of uh, Peter Pan Flight has a lot of color. But this one, you're just kind of going around, and the um, it's it's very elaborate, the, the circus stuff you're going through there, and it's like you're at a carnival that would probably give you nightmares if you are actually at, but you're on a ride that's probably destined to give a lot of kids nightmares. Yes, I'm, I I wrote it once when I was young because I was looking for Snow White and accidentally found the Pinocchio line. I don't know how old I was that I didn't realize that like the, the line definitely features murals of Pinocchio that I didn't realize this was Snow White, or if maybe I saw it and was just like, oh, might as well. I was very scared. It's it's quite frightening for a young child because it features scenes with these like full-grown donkeys. Like they're 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 pretty big, um, and like you see the children turning into these donkeys and like they're being taken away, being locked in cages, um, and you're also being eaten by a whale. There's a lot going on that can really scare kids. Yeah, it's it. The donkeys there they're. They're not only sort of very realistic, they're they're creepy. They get under your skin, you're like, oh, yeah, this is uh this is supposed to be the kids section of the park, but here we are with these, you know, something that a furry would probably really like, but that's probably uh maybe they should uh move the Zootopia meet and greet to outside there instead of near the Little Mermaid in California Adventure. Do you think that's a good idea? No, <laughs> let's not encourage that. <laughs> not in the kids section. Yeah, you've got uh, you've got Lampic being uh, transformed into. I actually think the donkey's kind of cute. I don't. Um, I don't really think that it's. Uh, I don't envy him, but uh, it's a cute little donkey. Um, I guess if you look at, so we put this one at number 18, 
which uh, ranks at the bottom of the four uh, dark rides there. You could maybe argue it's the most elaborate of the four, but it almost... It almost follows the movie too closely. You've got Pinocchio happy in the beginning. I mean, like all of them, Pinocchio kind of disappears for a while in the beginning. you got Geppetto at the end saying, Pinocchio! I... It's, it's an old movie that... I mean, Pinocchio's never really been one of my favorite movies. Do you like Pinocchio? I think I probably watched it once or twice when I was young, but it's definitely not one of my favorites. It was creepy. Kind of for the same reasons I don't like, like, chitty, chitty, bang, bang kind of stuff. I don't know. Yeah, as a transgender woman, I have always looked at Pinocchio... I often say, you know, when uh, when a gender... Cri- quote-unquote gender critical or a turf says, oh, you know, you're not, you'll never be a real, uh, you'll never be a real woman. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, uh, I send them Pinocchio gifts or stuff, and, uh, I'm a real boy! Something like that. Uh, Pinocchio's never really warmed up to me. I, it's a fine, which, which isn't, which isn't a, a great objective way to say, uh, this belongs at 18, but the reason I would put it as 18 is, the other rides have so much of a sense of idiosyncrasy to them, and this one is is so. It's extensive, but it's not necessarily impressive. It it doesn't stand out in a lot of ways. It's a fun ride. We do it almost every time, but it doesn't evoke a lot of emotion. And maybe you could say, okay, well, uh, that's just whether or not you feel a nostalgia towards a certain thing. Um. I don't think the ride is really... Uh, there aren't a lot of parts that are really sort of grabbing you in the same way that the witch would be like, have an apple, or toad that just drops you in hell. Uh, it doesn't have that. It may, be, it may be it's too close to the source material for a Disney ride that needs to, needs to let loose and be weird a bit. I, I don't know what makes it, like, not as good for me, like... It definitely has too much of the story, but it it's not really captivating enough. Um, there's nothing like really interesting. Like I think the most interesting part really is getting eaten by Monstro, and I'm still not really like thrilled with that part. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, they do it's a like, lot. Of- oh, that's that's there. That's nice. Moving on. Yeah, they do a lot of work with the lighting. I I just I I think it's probably just the fact that. Pinocchio is not one of my favorite films. They should have just been weirder. Pinocchio, you know, maybe Pinocchio stays a. Uh, at le- you know, I'm grateful they didn't try to like include Pinocchio as the real boy at the end. Yeah, because you end in Chippetto's workshop. I think Chippetto is kind of creepy, to be honest. I think he's, um, he seems like the kind of guy that Me Too would want to sort of reevaluate. Uh. I don't think we really see enough of that. It's, like, I think definitely in the olden days of, like, the 1950s or whatever, like, uh, a nice old man who wanted a son is a sweet story. I mean, like, I think this is one of those, like, really old stories. Yeah, I I, I think that maybe um, he's got a toy... Maybe he's too much of a capitalist for my taste. Begs the question of why I'm at Disneyland, but... Uh... There are, uh, this is a popular, uh, so there's not a Pinocchio in Disney World, but, um, there is a version in Disneyland Paris, and 
Disneyland Tokyo. I've actually used Pinocchio's Dairy. It, it's a helpful ride uh, for French friends of mine or French followers who ask me what Mr. Toad's Wild Ride or uh, Many Adventure Winnie the Pooh is like. I basically have to use Pinocchio as a frame of reference. It's obvious. It's it's a very technically sound ride, and and most rides at Disneyland are like that, but. There, there's just there's no right sense of iconic nature to this ride, and so it ends at eighteen, uh, which isn't terrible. But um, I guess if you're like looking at the merits of of dark rides, maybe it could probably do a little better. But I don't know. It's just it's a fine ride. That's uh that's probably the best thing that one can say about it. Yeah, like it's just missing something. I don't know what it is. But it doesn't really stack up to the others. Yeah, agreed. Well, moving on. And actually, so we um, we left Storybook Land from Casey Jr. to go across the street to Pinocchio's Daring Journey. Now we're actually going back to Storybook Land because clocking in at number 17 is the Storybook Land Canal Boats. And I, if, if we're talking about purely the adorable scale... Storybook Land probably wins, is probably rivaling It's a Small World in terms of just cutest thing in the park. And as Tara knows all too well, uh, I find the the script that the Storybook Land canal boat people use to be basically propaganda. It... To, to basically be like 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 North Korean propaganda, it is too ridiculously upbeat, and it's done in kind of the Disney. And all your dreams will come true. Yeah, all of the um, I guess the boat drivers slash your docent um during the ride, their voices sound like they are in training to become a Disney princess. They have the syrupy, sweet, really sweet voice right down, um. And they have to do that all day, and they're speaking into these little microphones that don't really amplify their voice as well, and they're just telling this story, and yeah, it, it basically is propaganda. They're saying everything is nice here in Once Upon a Timeland or whatever. So the ride does cover a very impressive, like essentially 80-year history. You've got Three, you've got three little pigs there. The only place in the park you're going to see anything referencing the three little pigs. It's as old as can be. And yet it's there. And you get Frozen also, which is pretty cool. And it also has Toad Hall. And if they ever get rid of Toad Hall, I will be furious. The miniatures are adorable. If you love miniatures, and I was a kid who... My parents didn't know that I was trans, but at age four, I asked for a dollhouse for Christmas. Who would have thought? Uh, I love miniatures. They're adorable. I would love to have each. If if they put out like a, a sets of the Storybook Land miniatures, I'd buy them and probably play Storybook Land here. But you know, once you once you put aside the fact that the tour guides all look like they're you know following the script because you know Big Brother's watching over them, they'll be thrown out of the park if they uh, lose their massive smile or say one word without you know an octave that could uh, crack a crack a window. My actually we um we were at Disneyland with my parents and my uh my family hadn't gone on it yet and we took them on 
And my dad kept asking the the tour guide questions. It's like, Dad, they have a script to follow. They can't. This is not a. This isn't a real tour. Like it's not. This is not a real tour. <laughs> but which is a stark, stark, stark contrast to the Jungle Cruise, which is hilarious. And they, it, they, it's a, it's a script that would not be the same if they all said it the same. I mean, there are certain aspects that they all kind of use, but. But the the ad libbing is really part of the experience, not in Storybook Land. Which... Yeah, it's basically like the difference between like having a live tour guide and just listening to an audio tour. You're basically listening to an audio tour that's not going to deviate at all. It's going to tell you the same thing every single time. Yeah, I mean, you really if if you stacked up the um, if you stacked up the to- Storybook Land Canabo tour guides and the jungle cruise tour guides you know it would look like you know the troublemakers and the goody two shoes or freedom and oppressive regime it's really it's night and day and actually storybook land is one that it's almost better at night the view isn't as good but you can't hear the audio as well which is kind of nice if you don't want to hear the audio and also the ducks the ducks are really a uh, underrated aspect of Storybook Land, especially at night when the ducks love sleeping there. But actually, uh, on a hot day, there's a lot of the a lot of the foliage looks like it was tailored there to give the ducks like a little bit of room. Like there's a you'll see like a uh, a leaf that's casting just enough of a shadow for a duck to be under. And sure enough, there'll be a duck just chilling there. They love it there, which is nice. I like the storybook land canal boats. I would probably go on it more if it didn't have... It's a strong contender for worst ride queue, and I don't mean that in the sense that... It can't get long, but you're so, so cramped in there. It's just like everybody's on top of everybody. If you're near somebody who's telling... uh, If you're somebody who's just telling obnoxious stories or saying obnoxious things or has an obnoxious voice... It can really, it can really be grating. Although, maybe one benefit is, it's the ride queue with probably the best view of the parade. Maybe, maybe uh, slightly beating out it's a small world. So, I mean, there's something to be said for that. But it's a fun, it's fun. If you've never been on Storybook Land canal boats, you'd probably enjoy yourself. But it's, it's not super, super, super needed. Um, the only other version is in Disneyland Paris, and actually they do have a uh, their own eccentric spread, so um, it, it could be worth a trip to go to Disneyland Paris just to go on their storybook, but uh, it's a fun ride. I, I enjoy it, except, uh, you know, I, I get off thinking, uh, I get off the boat sort of feeling like, uh, wondering if any of those people would rather be working on the Jungle Cruise. Probably. There's a lot of, like, that... The job of, like, the tour guide, it's got to be some kind of, like, character in training or, like, actor in training for one of the other shows. Like, the fact you're following a script, you've got to get the voice down. That would be an easy stepping stone for the others. But, like, the real creme de la creme job to be, like, an actor or to move up in Disneyland really is the Jungle Cruise. Like, that's where your delivery matters, and that's where, like, if you're boss is paying attention to your work that's where it matters that you're doing a great job and also it's in the shade and you can actually have fun with it and all your dreams will come true speaking of the jungle cruise the jungle cruise is actually next at number 16 
which was not by design, but uh, it it made sense. I have a I don't want to call it a love hate relationship. I've never hated the. Uh, there have been times where I've said I really really don't want to do the Jungle Cruise because I. It is pretty punderful. There's puns. It's puns galore. If you don't like the puns, you're it's it's not for you. But it's and and also getting back to the Mark Twain riverboat, there is this the sense of this isn't real nature. This is you're going on a cruise of fake nature. So that's why the puns are important because none none of it is real. Uh, it is impressive. Very culturally insensitive in the year 2019. It's a matter of time before certain aspects of the Jungle Cruise go away. But the last time we did the Jungle Cruise, I kind of fell back in love with it. And I said, you know, this actually is pretty funny. And every time you get a new guide, especially we, we've been on it a couple times with a novice tour guide who's who's really just taking the ball and rolling with it. And it's fun to see them uh, try and it's, it's like they're performing stand-up comedy up there. It's uh, It's a very entertaining ride. And it really does matter how into it the cast member is, like, based on the time of day, when their last break was, have they had coffee. Because um, some of them, they'll, they'll kind of, like, laugh a little bit with their jokes, but they're not really that into it. And then there's the others that are just, like, had a venti coffee and they're ready to go. They are having fun. And when they're having fun, then you as the guest also have fun with your 20 other uh, vacationers on your boat. You get to see the other side of water. Which is like the worst joke that I think they all say. That might be the only one that they all say. And I don't know if they have to or they think that that gets the most laughs, but it gets old really fast when every time you hear it. I love the the zebra that the lion tends, they're they're watching it sleep. Yeah, and that one, like, they actually have good variety in that one. I've heard that told about three different ways. Like, they all have, like, the same jokes that they choose from, but they tell it in their own way still. They're not following the script. We had a tour guide once. Um, a, a lot of them, which... Uh, so the Jungle Cruise has been around since 1955. Uh, it's been around for a very long time. But even though it's been there since 1955, jokes were only added since 1962, and you can imagine how that must have been. Could you? Uh, would you have wanted to go on a jokeless Jungle Cruise? I question what it would have been like terrible probably um but the whole uh the whole river where the jungle cruise takes place it had to be rerouted when they built indiana jones adventure and they often incorporate the temple of the forbidden eye into the monologue we actually we had an older jungle cruise tour guide uh one time who didn't even mention i was wondering if he'd been doing it longer than the ride had been there i forgot to ask him that would have been uh that would have been fun but I like the Jungle Cruise a lot. They, uh, you know, the scene where they shoot the gun, I don't really know. They seem to all do that, and it doesn't make a ton of sense. you got the piranhas. You've got the uh, attack from the village. you got the they're gorillas, right, who have uh, invaded the camp. Um, I think so. And I think only one person has ever made, like, a Tarzan joke. Yeah, you know, they've missed an up. You know, they got Tarzan's treehouse right nearby, and we all know how much we love that one. But We love it a lot. <laughs> That's the answer. No, it's not. It's, um... I, I like to do the Jungle Cruise every, like, third or fourth, maybe even less than that. Uh, and yet I always come off of it thinking, okay... 
there are there are worse things to do with your time than the jungle cruise. It's a good one if you want to have a coffee or just sit down. I had a lot of fun taking pictures on it. It's always great when um, if you laugh and the guy picks up on it, then they uh, it's like stand up comedy. They feed off the crowd energy. And you don't get that kind of flexibility with a lot of the rides in Disneyland. A lot of them are the same. A lot of the operators act the same. There's limited uh, ability for an operator to really have that much of an influence on a Disneyland ride. Like, um, I love it when when you're on uh, Mission Breakout, the Guardians of the Galaxy, and the um, ride operator is really into the fact that it's all supposed to take place in the collector. If they're into that, that can be fun. But um, the Jungle Cruise is really the creme de la creme of... Do you want to be a ride oper- operator at Disneyland? And do you want to be the X Factor? Do you want to make a difference in somebody's day? And for a lot of people, the Jungle Cruise does make people's day. It's uh, fun. Probably it's one that benefits from uh, taking a break a little once in a while. The animatronics are beautiful, even if they're not actually real. It would probably smell pretty bad if they were actual animals. So maybe that's a good idea that they're not there. And uh, Tara doesn't have anything else to add on that. Nothing, nothing more to add? Not really. <laughs> oh, the Jungle Cruise. It's, it's not, um, my dad actually really likes it, but, uh, I tend to, I tend to, we don't, we don't tend to ride that one all that often, but, uh, it's fun. If the line's not bad, there are, uh, far worse things you can do. It's out of the, sh- it's, it's a nice shady one. If it's a hot as hell day, it's a good, uh, it's a good opportunity to, uh, cool off for a bit. But um, that's about all that one can say about the Jungle Cruise, or as I should say, the world-famous Jungle Cruise. That's probably a term that's a bit overused in Disneyland lore. But you know what? The world-famous Jungle Cruise is pretty world-famous, I would agree. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Like, everyone knows about the Jungle Cruise. It is kind of a... It's a Disneyland icon. I They are making a live-action Jungle Cruise movie, which I'm not really... 100% on board with that idea, but uh, I wish them the best. I'll go see it. Hopefully it's better than some of the live actions have been lately, but uh, it's just gotta... It's, it, they gotta basically speak in pun, and I'm skeptical if they'll be able to either do that or pull it off, so... Um, and those two things are the same. So, uh... I don't have a pun to end this on, but, um... The Jungle Cruise is... I was just trying to, like, form a pun. Puns are hard to form off the fly, so we're just going to move on. Do you have a pun, Dad? No. <laughs> they really... Puns just have to come when they do. You, you can't really force it. Very true. Well, moving on to number 15, Snow White's Scary Adventures. I love Snow White's Scary Adventures. It's one of my favorites to do. It is in, it's a Disneyland original. It has some of the... It, they're not even really animatronics. They're really just kind of moving around. They're they're similar to really to the It's a Small World. They don't they're not very interactive. The dwarfs in the beginning. Snow White doesn't move at all. And Snow White only appears basically in the first two seconds and then she's gone. And it's a ride you can be in queues for other rides, and kids will be screaming at their parents to not go on Snow White. It scares the shit out of people, especially that forest scene. Yeah, between the forest and oh, the the number of times basically jump scares by the witch, and then you've got 
the dwarves about to die. And if you're not paying close attention or if the timing of your cart is a little bit off, as often happens, you don't really notice that she's actually, like, she dies and they win. So if you see, like, the dwarves about to die and then you see maybe the bolt of lightning, like, it's it's just a lot happening at once, a lot to take in, and then it spits you out at the end and they all lived happily ever after, but you don't know how and you don't know why when the whole ride was very dark and scary. Yeah, the ending is very abrupt and you really have to, like, you have to you have to be looking, like, a verti- vertically up to see the lightning bolt if you do get lucky to see it. It, it, it has a very, very abrupt ending. Um, we actually had the pleasure once the ride broke down while we were in the middle of it, and we got to walk through. I didn't put any of those pictures on because they're not particularly great, but um, that witch is scary. You gotta wonder why she transforms into the ugly old woman. Well, to, like, to fool Snow White. It's not because she, like, she's a very vain woman. That's the purpose of the story. She is threatened by Snow White. And yet, instead of making herself more beautiful, she just made herself ugly. Exactly. It is counterintuitive. It, I wonder how many kids have not only, like, been turned off of forests because of that ride, but also been turned off of apple, eating apples. You know, an apple a day uh, keeps the witch. Have an apple. Nice, juicy apple. Yeah, so I think Disney kind of tries to reclaim the magic of the apple with its number of apple-themed sugary treats within Fantasyland. They've got, like, apple, like, ices, um, apple lemonades, and they're great. Um, But they do kind of go overboard with, like, apple treats. So the the Snow White Scary Adventures in was... uh, totally remodeled in Disney World because of how scary it was. This one, the Disneyland one, did receive some renovations in 1983, which is right around the time that Pinocchio's Daring Journey came out. But, because actually Snow White, before 1983, Snow White wasn't even in it at all. Then they put her in. Doesn't move. I I, I like the... I kind of like the fact that the heroes don't really factor into the story because it's scary adventures and Snow White isn't scary. Her absence is scary when you're going through spooky dungeons and just seeing a witch and all of those scary trees. The, the, going through the tree, it's hard to think of a scarier point in Disneyland than going through that forest in Snow White's scary adventures. I really don't, th- I think that might be the scariest point in the whole park of any of the rides. It's scarier than anything in Haunted Mansion in my opinion. Yeah, I'm thinking. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that stands out to me as the scariest. Uh, Haunted Mansion, um, it has some kind of creepy aspects, but there's nothing really out there jumping out to scare you. Like the ghosts in the graveyard, you see them ahead of time jumping out of their graves, so they're not actually scary. And a lot of it Ooh, is- wait, people... Um, even I myself was also really scared of the Madame Leota might be her name. Um, the, the kind of the crystal ball lady in the room in Haunted Mansion. That scared me a lot when I was young. As a, as a child, were you afraid of Snow White's scary adventures? No. My sister still is though. And she's older than me. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I've heard of any kid not wanting to go on 
like explicitly begging their parents not to take them on a ride other than that one. So we were in the Peter Pan line once and this kid was like double checking four or five times with their parents to make sure that they were going to do Mr. Toad's Wild Ride next, not Snow White's Scary Adventures. They were terrified of that ride, which maybe speaks to the power of um, Snow White, but you gotta, like, beg that Disneyland the happiest place on Earth, and it has all of these idiosyncratic, scary-as-hell rides for the kids. It's a... It's definitely there's a there's a, a stunning contrast in that. It's yeah, a very, take a take a cleansing moment and go ride the carousel. The carousel does uh you know you come out of the the spookiness. I've ridden we've we've done Snow White Scary Adventures a couple times twice. It's a very easy line. Uh, if you ever see the whole um, queue filled up, just just wait. It'll go down. You really shouldn't have to wait more than five minutes, even if that. It's a quick ride. I love um. One thing that we didn't mention in Pinocchio that we should... I, I really like the cars in both Snow White and uh, Pinocchio. The Sort of the wood carving. It, it's great craftsmanship. You do kind of... You, you feel like you, you're going in a portal back to the olden days. And it's a lot of fun. It, it Probably more so than any of the other ones. Just because of the way that uh, the, the dwarves are shaped. And um, the, the whole totally not kids ride at all aspect you you do kind of feel like you're stepping into a time capsule with snow white scary adventures but i like the ride a lot moving on to a ride that i'm sure tara wishes was much higher on the list coming in at number 14 is star tours the adventure continues yes star wars i would put at like top five and uh i uh i i don't know how many people there's no Disneyland ride that I hear people speak more derisively um, outside of Disneyland than Star Tours. People either like it or they hate it. I don't even want to say they love it or they hate it. Tara loves it. Uh, I don't really... I don't get... Motion simulators are bound to be divisive. They can make people nauseous. And uh, it's a ride that when it came out in the... Uh, when it first came out, it, it had a technology that was really, really super impressive that maybe now by 2019, the, the whole notion of, of having all of this footage filmed just for your riding pleasure perhaps doesn't seem that, that special, especially because Universal does so much of that motion stuff now, basically every ride. Star Tours is kind of a... And I say that as a huge, huge, huge Star Wars fan, but Star Tours is really... Um, God, you 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 listen and say, "Gee, why'd you put it so high at even number 14? But um, Tara, why don't you uh, why don't you talk a little bit about what you love about Star Tours? Well, I will start with the original story that it had, which is a robot on his inaugural flight as a Star Tours pilot, and he is off to see. Are you going to the moon of Endor or something? And like. Things go wrong because it's his first flight. And it's just, it's fun. Like, even without the motion simulation, watching the video is really great because it's funny. Um, I would write it every single trip um, because it was, I, I loved, it was so fun. Um, and then it got even better when they changed it to the new series, whatever. Um, the Adventure Continues. 
Yeah. Um, it, it received an extensive remodel in 2011. So the ride, obviously, uh, a lot of Star Tours looks the same as it did 20 years ago, but it, it is technically a new ride as of the as of 2011. So actually, they before like The Force Awakens, before the new trilogy came out, they remodeled it for the prequel trilogy. And that was funny for the aspect that it looked a lot cleaner and a lot nicer. You've got nice new footage. And remembering that this takes place like 20 years in advance of the original Star Tours ride. And so they change the number of your star speeder to be an earlier model. And so that version, when they introduced that, which is kind of the one that's um, up now, is when they introduced the Rebel Spy in the ride. And then also multiple storylines each time. So there were at the time like 56 different permutations of the ride that you could do each time. And so naturally when it first was released, I rode it three times my first trip there and multiple times every trip after because I liked the chance to be the rebel spy and just watching all of the different scenarios that you could get into. And they were really fun. And then they still have those scenarios, but then they also added new ones now for each of the new movies. So it's really great. Um, They do seem to track... Um, the characters and sequences that are involved so that you're not getting like Darth Vader at the same time as you're visiting one of the sets from the new trilogy. Um, so they, they have the different buckets that they choose from and then just scramble everything. And so it's a fun ride. It's always something new. Uh, with the caveat that this year with Galaxy's Edge coming out, they basically keep it to the same storyline every single time. So there's not as much value in rewriting it multiple times a day, let alone multiple trips in the same year. Yeah, as of uh, probably the end of April. So there's 384 possible uh, combinations that you could get if you've ridden it a lot. There's some that tend to pop up way more than others. And as of a couple weeks before Galaxy's Edge, it seemed that all of them would be... um, You start off with the opening escape sequence, and then you go into the first of the main uh, run-through sequences, and then there's a a brief middle where somebody, either Leia or Poe or BB-8 or... Who's the one? um, Maz? Yeah, or Maz comes in, uh, and they... The theme of the Rebel Spy stays consistent. Then you go, you do your second uh, sequence, and then some of them, I guess, have a, have one even after that, uh, the crate where it takes you to, to Batu, uh, which is why they use that for, for Galaxy's Edge as a way to hype it. Um, it, is, uh, it is interesting to note that Star Tours was the first non-Disney licensed property to get its own attraction. And for people like uh, Tara and myself, who are younger than, uh, or or were were growing up when the ride came out, the the relationship between Disney and Star Wars was always kind of there, even though they didn't officially buy the company until, it's either 2011 or 2012, I was in college when that was announced. Uh, I love the... uh, episode one footage and they do the pod racing or the um 
Battle of Naboo when they take you through uh they take you through Otaganga on Naboo where the Gungans Jar Jar Binks pops up. It's one of the few places where Jar Jar Binks can still be celebrated in the year twenty nineteen. There's definitely something for that. Which are your favorite variations, Starbell? Um, I like when you're flying through um is it Endor the the Wookiee and Ewoks planet? Uh well so the Wookiees and the Ewoks you're probably conflating them because of the South Park episode, the Chewbacca defense, when it says Chewbacca uh-huh. is a Wookiee that lives on Endor. It's actually, the Wookiees are from Kashyyyk, and um, Endor is its own thing. They actually have their own... Okay, well, wherever the, the, the little baby Ewoks live. Endor. I like that sequence. Okay, so it is Endor. Um, well, so the Kashyyyk uh, is a... Um, Kashyyyk makes its first... Well, it makes its first appearance in the Star Wars Holiday Special, which sadly doesn't get... Featured in Star Tours or anywhere in the park. I really wish instead of Batu, they had built Galaxy's Edge uh, about the Star Wars Holiday Special, which Boba Fett actually made his first appearance in that. But they have a lot of cool variations. We don't see the Endor one or the Kashyyyk one all that much. Kashyyyk was in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, it's cool. The uh, the Coruscant one is is pretty cool. There's a lot of them that are fun. Uh we tended to get a little sick of it towards the end because it was constantly Jakku and Crate, but there's something to be said from that because they do have the ability now to record new sequences with the new cast members, which is certainly fun. It's not just Anthony Daniels as C-3PO voicing it, and he'll voice pretty much anything that has C-3PO in it, which is fun, but it is nice to see uh, Finn or Poe or... Other characters from Star Wars. Nobody's better than Jar Jar Binks, though. I don't hate Star Tours. I always like doing it. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Obviously, with Galaxy's Edge now, there's more Star Wars than just that. But it was something I always... My mother hates it. Uh, But it was always something that... I I don't think I've ever been to Disneyland and not done Star Tours. Maybe, Maybe most recently we actually didn't do it because... Did we? I think we might have had time in the end to do it. Yeah, we tend not to, um, it's just fun. It's a fun cue. You got the jokes, the puns from the robot in the beginning. Uh, it's, it's a fun ride. I would not put it in my top five. Tara would. Uh, I don't really understand why, but. Uh, t- it's a great ride. Also, it's air conditioned. Hot summer days. That is true. that line. That's it's a big, great. Uh, that's a big plus. Also, there are different, like electrical outlets to like in the olden days when I didn't have a portable phone charger, I would charge my phone in line. Well, isn't that a ringing endorsement? Yes. Uh, Next up on our list is the most controversial ranking of the entire list at number 13. People get very angry about this at number 13. And this is something that actually Tara and I are pretty much on the same page with. Number 13, we put Indiana Jones Adventure, Temple of the Forbidden Eye, which on other lists can actually be ranked number one or number two. Here, we do not love Indiana Jones. It is, uh, we like the film series, but Indiana Jones Adventure, which is one of the most elaborate rides in in Disneyland, it's extensive. Uh, it's got a great immersive ride queue. Although going through all of the, going through the temple, it 
it can get dark there. I've heard actually from the ride operators that it, it's it's a very um, it's not a very fun one to be a ride operator on because especially when it's really crowded and it is one of the most crowded rides in the park. But uh, you can be very you can be stuck down there in the dark all by yourself just directing people for hours on and it could be pretty uh pretty brutal down there as for the ride it's not as sure some plenty of people may disagree with with whether or not it is exciting i don't think it's that exciting it's kind of like being in winnie the pooh where the the car moves up and down a bit the only real thrill comes if you're on the corner ends of the third row, the third and final row. There's three rows per car. I don't really think it's that exciting. I think you're just being kind of like mildly jerked around while it goes, you know, you get air pushed in your face. It's a very technically impressive ride, but I I, I never leave it not wondering if I was underwhelmed or not. I think part of the problem is as complex as it is it breaks down in a lot of different aspects so if you have a trip where the rock doesn't fall on you or the lights are off in one part or as happened to us once the audio track in the car was not playing at all like you miss a lot of it like if it were working perfectly you could give it like a 70 percent incitement rating but then if anything's broken you're like was something supposed to happen here and it's just not as great it's it's just not a big deal. I wouldn't I, I see when the line goes up to like 75 minutes or when kids are like I want to do Indiana Jones, I want to do Indiana Jones. The best thrill ride are really exciting. There's oftentimes the Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Forbidden Eye crosses over into the realm of just unpleasant. And I would say that as somebody who gets nauseous, I just say that as somebody who sit there just kind of being like thrown up and down a little bit saying like, uh, you know, is, is, is this it? Is this the thrill you're being thruster? And I, I drive a Jeep. I like Jeeps. This Jeep is just like, it's, 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 it's just, it's, it's mildly bumpy. I, I just, it's not, it's just not a big deal. We've had uh, people, uh, we've we've talked to ride operators who have referred to the ride as Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Broken Ride because this always breaks down, which I find quite hysterical. It is a Disneyland exclusive. There is no Temple of the Broken Ride anywhere else in any Disney park. And for some people, that's reason enough just to come out here. It's been here since, uh, I think it opened in 1996. It, I don't even want to say it's a love it or hate it thing. I acknowledge that there's plenty of people who love it. There's plenty of people who think this ride is just spectacular. I wish them well. I cannot count myself among them. It it doesn't there's not a point where I'm I'm and I guess that's probably just reflective of um there's no real drops. You don't get any of the moments where uh similar to either the Matterhorn or Splash Mountain or Space Mountain you're going particularly fast or you're going particularly jump. You're just being like rocked around a lot. It's, it's, it's just jerky. It's not thrill. It's not that thrilling. It's not as thrilling as it could be. Yeah. The value of the Indiana Jones ride is that it has 
like you're you're going through an adventure with Indiana Jones. It's got like fun scenery. It's got um, the Indiana Jones voice by Harrison Ford. So it's like you're living in the story. But as far it does as not have Harrison Ford, is it not his voice? Nope. Well then. <laughs> Well, like you're, you're nowadays sp- it might have been, but uh, I mean nowadays it, had they built it now, although Temple of the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull or whatever came out a long time ago, had it been built now, it wouldn't have probably been built without licensing from an actual person. But Indiana uh, Harrison Ford is not actually part of the ride. Wow, um, but like it's it's like you're in the story instead of like yes. Um, Space Mountain and the Matterhorn are way better roller coasters, but there's not really a story attached to it. Um, and so the Indiana Jones roller coaster in Paris um, at the Paris Disneyland, you don't really have any story there. It is a generic roller coaster. So it's like, yeah, it's a roller coaster, but it's not really Indiana Jones. And this is just the complete opposite where you've got Indiana Jones. It's a fun temple ride, but it's it's not a roller coaster. Yeah, and I, I do I do like I don't want to sell the scenery short. I like the scenery. But this is Disneyland. Disneyland has no rides where the scenery isn't good, really, except for probably like a gadget go coaster or Autopia. Uh, even Nemo has has okay scenery. Uh, Indiana Jones, I mean, when you're going across the bridge, yeah, that's pretty cool. And the snake is is elaborate. I don't want to sell it short too, too much, but... Uh, and John Rice davis who plays Salah, he does appear. He's from the film. He's fun. It's fun. I think the only time we've ever done this twice in one trip, I finished that thinking to myself, gee, I really didn't need to do that twice. Maybe we've done it twice a couple times. I, I just really... And I say as somebody who, who loves riding the Matterhorn upwards of four times. Indiana Jones is uh, not a bad ride, but it straddles the line between thrill ride and dark ride almost too much, and as a result, it, it doesn't truly excel as either at either. Like, is the scenery that much better than Snow White's Scary Adventures? It's more elaborate, no doubt. It costs a lot more money, no doubt. Would I rather ride that one? I, I'm not sure. Although I did rank this one higher. Boy, the rank- the loser of this podcast has been the the written ranking on my website. <laughs> you have anything else to say about Indiana Jones? Mm, I really do like the line part of it where you're purposefully stepping on the triangles, um, pulling on the ropes. Um, it has an interactive line, which is fun. Um, and then you get to the ride, and it's not as fun. I don't think the steering wheel even moves. There's nope, one one person move. who's in like the driver's seat, and the steering wheel is locked into place. Right. It's for plenty of people. This could rank as number one for thrill ride. I think you could almost kind of compare it to the way Cars goes, because Cars has a lot of dark ride, but then at the end, really throws you into a race. Indiana Jones every. Whenever it tries to really up the ante, you just kind of end up being jerked around. It can be very unpleasant. I, I do like the corners of the third row. If if you're going and you haven't been, try to go on either seats one or four on row three. That's 
that's for me the best place to be. But if you're if you're in if like if you're in the middle seats, if you're in sec two and three on the the second row, you're right over the the point where the hydraulics are moving back and forth. You really you're you're getting about as tame a journey as ever. It's 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 in my opinion the most overrated ride in Disneyland. And that is why it wasn't in the top 10. And actually, that's also why it loses to the next one on the list, which is Roger Rabbit's Cartoon Spin. I love... Roger Rabbit's Cartoon Spin, probably more so than any other ride, really is a product of its time. If it had been built three years later, there would be... I mean, if Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out three years later... This ride would 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 either be uh, Lion King, Hunchback in Notre Dame, or Little Mermaid, or somebody. The fact that this came out in 1988, right before the Disney Renaissance uh, happened, allowed Toontown, which actually Toontown is a concept. It's called Mickey's Toontown, but really it's Mickey appropriating Toontown from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and and the whole concept of Toontown and all the gags and stuff that people can take pictures of. That came straight from that movie, which is really one of the best movies. It's it's a touchstone picture, not an official Disney release, but it's one of the best films that Disney has ever worked on. I love it. And I really, really, really love the ride. Um, it's a tragic ride. There was a, a child who was uh, gravely injured on the ride and was killed later. But um, the spinning is um, spinning's a lot of fun. Yeah, like this is the teacups and every dark ride rolled into one in a really funny story. You have control. So it's also like Autopia too. You're kind of driving. You get to choose what you're seeing in the story. You can make it as fast as you want. I sometimes try to like correct the steering wheel when it's spinning us automatically. I try to yeah. go the other direction and try to go straight. That doesn't work because it's not supposed to. Like you're supposed to just like, you're supposed to be getting dizzy. Um and it's a really fun ride. The sets are great. The line is even great. Um, Holy smokes, Roger! It's like I made sure um, for Ian's first time on the ride that, maybe not the first time, but that we went on a specific time when the standby line was short so that we could actually like go through and see it because this is one of the few rides where the line actually does set up the ride itself as far as the story. Um and it's just, it's a fun, it's it's really like, it, it does feel like you're on like some Hollywood set because that's kind of where it's supposed to be set. No pun intended. Like these are separate words. Um, and you're just traveling through the story and it's great. There's a lot to see. Uh, it's got great music, um, sound effects. It's it's so much fun. Yeah, they take you to a, through a power plant for some reason, even though there's no power plant in the movie. Which I actually like. I mean, this movie, um, the the ride is not terribly beholden to the to the film at all, and yet there's actually a uh, there's a scene where the uh, the buildings have faces, the skyscrapers. The animation looks way more like something out of the Brave Little Toaster than anything that Disney made, and it's very elaborate. It's very impressive. Let go of me, will ya? Don't worry. I'll get you through this. I promise. I've got a portable house. I don't think that one was right. 
I love Roger's lines in it. And it's it's you got the puns, you got the bolina in a china shop, bolina china shop right in the beginning. Got the word truncate, which actually this ride was mentioned in one of our Game of Thrones recaps because I said the word truncate, and then people some of our panelists kept saying it, and then I had to mention that they were just bringing up they were feeding my Disneyland addiction by uh mentioning that. And Toontown and the Magic Kingdom is closed. This ride, uh, there's only the only other Toontown that's not in Disneyland is at Tokyo Disneyland. There is a Roger Rabbit cartoon spin there. It's just funny how Roger Rabbit was, uh, you know, seemingly worthy of designing, uh, giving up, giving the park to Mickey, uh, giving the land to Mickey, but designing it around Roger Rabbit. He's essentially a totally forgotten character in Disney lore. He's probably never getting a sequel, which is unfortunate. It does have one of the best uh, ride queues in the park. It's not a terribly needed fast pass, but I love the fast pass. I love the fact that you can get through the fast pass line in two seconds. We almost always pair it with. Uh, we use the fast pass for Roger Rabbit, and then in line, I'll fast pass. Uh, it's a small world, which rarely goes beyond ten minutes after you, you're trying to look for it. It's a great ride. Spinning is fun. The scenery is great. The animatronics are, are beautiful. Jessica Rabbit looks great in her two appearances in it. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful ride. I really enjoy it. And if they close it, I'll be very, very angry. Because it's just Toontown. Toontown is such a relic of the past. And it's so... I, I'm, I'm glad it's getting a new ride. It needs a new ride. But it just captures the early 90s zeitgeist so well. Yeah, it's 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 a great um, ride at any time of day. It's always fun. Uh, we've used it a few times to get out of the rain too. Um, it's, it's it's just so happy. Even though you're kind of in like, if if I guess is are you Roger or is Roger just happening there? But there's a lot of moral mortal Roger does, peril. Roger does appear. Yeah, there's a lot of, and yet it's still very fun. It is. It's a it's a beautiful ride. And uh, it's just funny because Roger Rabbit as a film is really more of a tribute to Warner Brothers than it is to, to Disney. They they combine the two. You got the Daffy Duck, Donald Duck uh, scene. You've got Mickey appearing alongside Bugs Bunny, and the music at the end where it's like, "Well, that's all, folks." It's definitely more in line with the uh, the golden age of animation, but it's just beautiful. It's um. A lot of Disneyland rides are decades old, or they're more recent, and yet that one is uh, from the early 90s. It, it arrived at a singular moment in Disneyland time, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Although, it's basically only a couple of years younger than Splash Mountain, which people forget, because Splash Mountain was based off of a movie that 99% of the people inside Disneyland have not actually seen. But uh, we will certainly get to that one later. So Roger Rabbit is, uh, it's a must-do, and you won't find it in Magic Kingdom. You will probably not even find that many people in the Magic Kingdom who have seen Roger Rabbit. That's another That's another fun aspect of uh, going to Toontown. You get all those little kids who really want to do Roger Rabbit. It's a very popular ride. The line gets really bad. I mean, that, that would be the one case for making the Fast Passes. The line often goes above 45 to an hour. And you get these kids who are like, Mommy, what's Roger Rabbit? And it's kind of a... It, it's not really a kid's movie. It is 
one of the there's a reason they released it through Touchstone Pictures. It is kind of more geared. It's definitely geared more towards adults, but uh, it's a really fun ride. I really like it. Yeah, I. It, it's hard to say it's one of my favorites because it kind of fell off my radar for a few years. Um, but, like, it's definitely one of my favorites to do now. Definitely. I. Uh, it's always one I like to save for uh, middle of the afternoon later because, um, you know, you get your fast passes for the ones that just kind of go really quickly. And Roger Rabbit, you rarely have to wait more than an hour out. By the time that we usually do Roger Rabbit... If if you'd want to use like a fast pass on uh, uh, Space Mountain, uh, unless you're constantly refreshing, they typically show up for like six hours after out. So, Roger Rabbit's always uh, a fun. It's always fun to go to Toontown, see the you know the kids taking in these characters that you took in when you were little, and seeing how many parents are groaning at the idea of showing that Who Framed Roger Rabbit to a four-year-old. But, it's um, not a children's movie. Please don't. <laughs> actually, they might not get all the jokes. So a four-year-old actually might be okay. It's a 10-year-old where they're going to start repeating those jokes a lot. And they're, they're not kid-friendly jokes. Definitely. Next on our list, <gasps> you can fly, you can fly, you can fly, you can fly, you can fly. I guess this one might be a little controversial to put Peter Pan's flight at number eleven, but uh boy, talk about a talk about a horrible, horrible line. Always. If you the pan line is usually our longest of the day. And that's you go to Disneyland enough, you learn how to eyeball because the the app will always say, Oh, thirty five minutes, forty five minutes. You can look and tell when it's like twenty five minutes, assuming that nothing breaks down. Peter Pan's flight, as far as the Disneyland originals go, it's hard to think of something more impressive than having people fly, like literally fly around on sailboats. It is a very, very impressive ride. That is a pirate ship, not a sailboat. Yes, pirate ship, sure. Pirates deserve the recognition. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I like this one a lot. It's worth the line, although it's like you're. Is it? Like, it's like a 60 second ride. It is really. It's short. And 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 Wendy in the beginning of the ride looks very sick. She looks sickly. Um and Peter Pan, I guess it, the animatronics are are nice. They're they're well done. You go through London, you see uh their model of of the of the island is really impressive too and it's very elaborate. And it takes you through I guess what bugs me about Peter Pan's flight is how quickly it goes through the animatronic portion of the second half where Peter Pan is battling Captain Hook or Smee. It's like literally a blink and you miss it kind of thing, which which like um, when you're going through London around the uh, Big Bang clock and then when you're going around the island, you approach it from a few separate angles. So you really do kind of get a chance to, to take it all in. and then Yeah, you, get you to go the- back and forth and all around. Yeah, and you don't do that on the second half. It's it's very quick, and I I want to look at Peter Pan more. I want to look at at Captain Hook. I want to look at these people. I want to appreciate. I want to see the alligator, but no, it's just Bing Bing Bing. You see Tiger Lily quickly. You do the drop. It's impressive. It's a very very technically impressive ride, which is why. You know, you could ride all the other dark rides basically from Fantasyland in the time 
you would spend half uh, in Peter Pan flight if you were um, on, on an average day. It's a brutal line. And we didn't factor in lines uh, into the ride, but it's just worth noting. Oof, it's brutal. The 60 seconds, I mean, it's just so short. And there's a big disconnect between the first half and the second half. I, I don't know. It's it's one I like to do every time, but sometimes you're just like, ooh, wee. It's it's one of those lines we go to we go in when every other line is so bad that it's like, okay, just bite the bullet and do pan. There's a Pokemon gym right there too that kind of helps the line go a bit faster, but not that fast. Yeah, like I think the best part of it is like the first two scenes where you're getting like the nice scenic view, but you can get a scenic view in the storybook canals. And then also the two very miniature drops that make you just like, just if you like those drops, just go ride Pirates of the Caribbean. It is 15 times longer. It is. That's, that's, that's very true. It is, uh, it is 15 times longer. It's, I mean, there there definitely is a certain sense of uh, iconicness. It's Peter Pan is an iconic Disneyland ride that really, especially, it remains technically very impressive nowadays, as it did in 1955. And you can just imagine people showing up to Disneyland, seeing that nothing else like it. It's wild. It's it's in many ways it's Disneyland at its best. Wild, great animatronics. Beautiful detail and and technical innovation, and yet brevity is is really its undoing. And I, it also, I mean, it it it. I, I don't mean to return to the idiosyncratic nature of um, Snow White or uh, Mr. Toad, but one of those rides scares you, and the other one you're just like confuses you. This one. Nothing happens. It's like you're going too quick to, for it to make any, to, to really make an Im- impact. It's one of those rides you finish it and you're like, I really want to, like, I waited for this. Which, which is in stark contrast, the other Fantasyland ride that ha- always has a consistently brutal line is Alice. And Alice is a long ride. It's like two and a half minutes and you're, you're going through it. A long time. It's hard to like end that film. Like, well, that was it. No, it's it, it. It's a lot longer. So with that in mind, it's it's a great ride. Um, I mean, with with that in mind, yeah, you never wanna you never wanna finish a a line and and feel like you've you've wasted time. And I I don't really feel like, like that with Peter Pan Flight, but. Oh, it's when you got a bunker time. I, and that does speak to its popularity, although it also speaks to the how difficult it is to load the ride. Plus, you've got... I, I'm always just angry at the people who get to cut the line with the sort of weird buddy... Fa- it's not. It doesn't have a fast pass. And yet, people do get to cut the line. It's not fair, and those people should not be allowed in the park. Do you wish that we had a, a buddy pass? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what that line is for. It's not. And you know what? I've I haven't tried super super hard to ask people about it, but it's like the it's it's like the white whale of it, our Disneyland days would be so much easier if we didn't have to wait in that stupid line. And we don't do it absolutely every time. We tend to do one of Peter Pan or Alice, maybe both. If if there's no um, 
magic hour in the morning and you can run and be the first on Alice, then it makes doing Peter Pan a lot easier. You can't really run to get Peter Pan. There's always someone who's beaten you to Peter Pan. And actually, in the morning, it gets a huge bottleneck and it's a brutal line to do. So, uh, Peter Pan's flight is, uh, the best time to go is like when it's only like uh, a row and a half outside. But good luck with that. It's it's hard to time. It's one where you really do have to get lucky because instead you can wait, you can wait, you can wait, you can wait. And then if you have to go to the bathroom, hold it because they don't have diapers in Disneyland. <laughs> Do they? I don't know. I don't want to know the answer to that. I, I, I like I like Peter Pan's flight a lot. Um, it's too quick to have attachment. Which is funny because um, Pinocchio in some ways is too long and uh, Peter Pan's flight is too big, but um, we've done three of those four, uh, four dark rides on the list. So you can imagine uh, how, sort of how I feel about which one of those is my favorite, but um, I like it. Just, Peter Pan's flight is fun. It needs to be longer, though, and it's not going to be, but uh, you just only... Uh, I would be so much happier if they went a little slower through the animatronics. There's so much to look at. It's so hard to get it all. And it's even harder to go around and do it again after you've gone through that brutality of uh, that horrible, 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 horrible wait. But a fun ride. Can't complain. Too much. I can complain. (laughs) (laughs) I can't complain after saying horrible a hundred times. Yeah, there's plenty to complain about. But there is a sense that uh, it's 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 one of those it's one of those Disneyland rides that really does uh, it's sensitive of time. Been there since 1955, still gets a brutal line. That does kind of uh, that does say say a lot about uh, where it stands in Disneyland lore. And sadly, we have to fly away to Neverland because this is the end of part two. Fear not. Part three is also available, so if you uh, if you've watched all of these, if you listened to all of these sequentially, that's a uh, that's a lot of time, and uh, you must be a true uh, true Disneyland believer. But um, for everybody uh, taking a break, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. And for everybody else, we will see you at part three. Yeah.